0: Sacramento comes up pretty high on on a good market and the Inland Empire is getting, so Riverside County is getting a lot of attention just because of the space there, uh, warehousing, supply chain, uh, a lot of that happens through there.
1: This is the Naked Truth about real estate investing. Your host Javier has already been through all the brain damage of this business so you don't have to go through it. That way, you're not exposed to all of the risk of losing your shirt or getting caught with your pants down. So let's dive into another No BS episode right now. Hello, everybody. I am Javier Hinojo, your host of The Naked Truth about real estate investing. And today, I'm actually, uh, Bob is my guinea pig. I'm in my office where I'm going to start doing some podcasts as well. I'm setting everything up. There's actually, if you guys can see, there's a glass right here. There we have some pretty cool. I've got all the exotic cars at the bottom. So, this is a naked truth podcast. I can't do it in my underwear here because it's a see through glass. So, I'm definitely wearing <laughs> pants today. I forgot to tell Bob he had to wear pants, but hopefully he is. So, Bob, welcome to the show. Go ahead and introduce yourself, let everybody know a little bit about yourself.
0: Well, thank you, Javier. It's an honor to be here. And um, I'll leave everyone guessing whether I'm wearing pants or not.
1: There you go. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> the, uh, so a little bit about me, I started off in the, um, the house flipping business. I became an accidental landlord. My first two flips did not flip. I ended up having to rent them. And then I started getting mailbox money and, like, hey, this is not too bad. So continued in the house flipping, but started to accumulate single family properties. And then uh, I quickly learned that when you have one vacancy on a single family property, that's 100% of your income uh, not coming in. And so uh, I started looking at small families and started to accumulate those. Came across a guy here in um, of Beach, California, where I live. And his family, his dad had been doing syndications for 40 years. And, and my friend wanted to do that on his own. And, and I had a market and he had a, a model. And so we went after it from there. Started with, a, we did our own like four family. And then we... Then we did a syndication for a 12-unit building and then started growing from there. I mean, 12 to 20 to 50 to 70, and then some commercial places, uh, spaces uh, along the way. And that had been awesome. And that's kind of where I came from. I was in corporate America. I used to work in aerospace and defense. And then during that time, I have been with the California Army National Guard. I had several deployments. And, and I knew when I came back from my last deployment, I was a little different. The job at aerospace and defense was a, a bit different and I knew I needed to work for myself and I, and then that's when I started my path uh, to financial freedom and, and here I am today.
1: Wow. Awesome. So 22 years in the service, you're retired? Yeah. Retired. Well, thank you so much for your service. I would love to see people who work, you know, who are in the military uh, serving, you know, our country and everybody here, you know, take protecting us and then they come out and then they do something for themselves. Especially when it comes down to real estate, where they start building their long-term wealth, so I do definitely appreciate that, and uh, I'm sure the audience does as well. I love the the journey. So I know you're from you're not from California. Right. You know what? Having said this word in such a long time, I'm going to screw it up. Remember in high school, I was we have to remember all the states or elementary school, and I can never say pronounce Massachusetts. Massachusetts. I can't even do it.
0: Right? <laughs> I hear so, mass. so
1: Mass. There we go. So you're from the East Coast, and then you ended up going to the West Coast. What got you to the West Coast?
0: So I grew up in, in the Springfield area of Massachusetts. I went to college in Boston. When I was done college, I decided this was the time to try, try to go out West and see what that helped. And, and the worst that could happen is it didn't work out and I, I'd moved back. Well, that did work out and I've been here for 25 years, but I did go back in the sense of building a business there. That was a market I was very familiar with. It's a tertiary market, so we didn't have tons of competition. My family's still there, my parents are there, I've got sisters in, in the area. So when I looked at when I left aerospace and defense, when I looked at the money that I had at that time, that those dollars could go much further in Springfield. And then also when I looked at it in a lifestyle fashion, it was I could invest there, build there, because I know that area. And I can still remain connected with my family, so that was that was really big for me, and and it also gave me an opportunity to give back to to my community by building, you know, or restoring quality properties.
1: Awesome, cool. So let's talk about your first single family, and then you went to a four unit. So your first single family, how long ago was that?
0: Eight, maybe almost nine years ago.
1: Okay, so two thousand thirteen ish, I would say. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, and uh, so you, you said, oh, "Look, I'm going to do a flip," and then you accidentally became a landlord. So let me see if I can read through the lines. You try to flip it. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you couldn't sell it or what was the problem? You just couldn't sell it like you were in, you spent too much money, too much time in the rehab and you just couldn't sell it or what was the, what was the issue there? So I
0: had an agent at the time and the agent gave me some, some numbers. We were way too high, going out to market way too high. And in, in the fall season, And really, by the time we could recover and figure out what the market would bear for it, it was about too late. And so I had to pull that in, make it a rental and go from there. So that was a classic case of, I thought those numbers were high, but I trusted a professional and I didn't trust my gut on this and didn't trust my numbers. And then lo and behold, but you know what? I wouldn't take that back because that really gave me the... The mistake that, that I learned the most from. I learned about market timing. I learned about trusting myself. And also I learned about uh, rental.
1: And underwriting the project, right? Make sure that you don't, uh, you don't go over budget. Now, I went on a limb there. I wasn't to say that hopefully you said, hey, look, we bought it for 100K. We put 50K in it. It's worth 250. And then we refinance all our money out. So I say, let's keep a free property, right? But that didn't seem like the case. Usually not on the very first one. Very few people can do that on the very first project because it is your first one. Right. And then you said, okay, I'm going to rent it out. Right. Maybe I'm not going to get all the money back, return I'm going to rent it. And you got a couple like that, right. You had a couple that way. Yeah. Two, you said, or just one. Yeah,
0: the, the first two did not flip. Okay. And,
1: and then you're like, okay, so now if something's vacant for, for 30 days. There goes your cash flow for the year. Right. And you're like, okay, this, this is like, unless you have a couple of hundred houses, it's kind of, it's a little bit challenging. And then you said, let's buy a fourplex. So tell me about that four unit you bought. Yeah. What did you like about that? And what didn't you like about that?
0: If I could just take one, one step back when you were talking about the refinancing, I wasn't aware of, of that as a, a an option. solution at that time, as an option. I did come uh, eventually, I refinanced that property probably two or three times.
1: Nice. In my head, I got, kind
0: of got stuck on this. Well, if, if I refinance it, I needed to keep everything at a low, low number. So it made sense for that project instead of leveraging those dollars into another project. So I was very property specific in my thinking instead of portfolio thinking um, sure. so I, I learned a lot of lessons out of that so to the four family that was the first project that we did within the partnership so we wanted to really kind of test each other out do a project together and happened to be a big one it was a four family that had been uh, three of the units have been vacant for Probably like 5 years.
1: Oh, um, though so the brain damage project, awesome. I love those. Actually, I love those. Yeah,
0: that's so the so there was a lot of work to be done there, but it came out beautifully. The, the awesome. project came out beautifully and we did better on the numbers. The rents were Far better than we had expected. It was a really good project, and and gave us some confidence to move on. And you know, it, it had some bumps in the road, but nothing that we couldn't overcome. and And then gave us the confidence to say, okay, now we we were able to do this value add, bring this thing uh, back to rents, and then we were we felt ready to take on a, a small syndication at that point.
1: Awesome. So then you got the four unit done, and then you did a small syndication, which was a twelve unit. So then. Yeah. So tell me, actually, tell me what you liked about the four unit, what you didn't like about that four unit, and then we'll switch over to the 12 unit.
0: There's not much I didn't like about that four unit because um, we took something that was really, really awful, unsafe, and made it a beautiful building. It was right across the street from a church. people would come by and and commend us on what we did for the neighborhood and for that property. We had, there was one tenant that was living in there and that that probably should have been condemned unit. So getting him into something that was clean and safe, what was, was great. And so there, there was, there was a lot to like about that one.
1: All right. So definitely enjoyed that better than a single family. And then you went to the 12 unit. So tell me about that 12 unit.
0: Yeah, 12 unit was, uh, this is our first syndication. So what we, we did is we did shares at a very low price. We did at 12500 per share. Usually you see it like syndications, $50,000, 100000 So this one was 12500 We wanted to make it, keep it as open for as many potential investors as, as possible and, and then also test ourselves out on the, the whole syndication. It was the property did need a lot of work. This one did have, you know, certainly did have challenges with long-standing tenants, tenants that paid when they wanted to pay a lot of renovation on the units. Those renovations became more expensive than we had anticipated with a uh, de So the lead abatement uh, wow. on the property and, and that that caused quite a bit electrical. But we, we got that, uh, got, got it operating and it was doing well. It was doing well for, for a while. We ended up selling it a couple of years ago because it was the smallest building that we had and, and there was the market was right.
1: Perfect. So then you were in California. So tell me where you bought the single family, where you bought the four family, and where you bought the 12 family.
0: All of that was in the greater Springfield, Massachusetts area.
1: Okay, so kind of back home and you're still on the West Coast and you're managing the projects uh, back home. back home. Okay, interesting.
0: So I did that. Uh, we had a third partner that was on the ground over there. So that helped. And then um, that, that partnership with the third partner ended shortly after, maybe another year or two after that um, 12 unit. But we, we created in the interim, we had created a property management company on the ground over there. So we do have the, the boots on the ground, I'm in communication with them every day. I go out there about once a month and then my other partner will go, uh, either every other month, or we do have some holdings in Southern Maine, and he'll go to those.
1: Perfect. So tell me, what, what are you guys buying now? What is your your buy box? If you say you, if you had a buy box, what are you looking for?
0: Right. Well, it had always been value add, but value add can take a great deal of patience and resources. So. Patient,
1: resources, it is cash for a long time. Yes. I know.
0: <laughs> well said. It needs well a lot said. of cash.
1: So it is cash. I can, I can tell you that. It feels like I have like four wives or like six wives. Every time I do like a value ad deal, I feel like I have six wives and like twenty-five kids. Like they just Amazon boxes show up to my front door, like twenty boxes. I'm like, who's paying for this stuff? None of this stuff has my name on it, has my address. That's my last name, but i my first name. Who's paying for all this stuff? Anyways, right. that's what I feel like a value yeah. add is. But go ahead.
0: <laughs> well, I've never looked at it that way, but you're you're spot on. The uh so in, in between those, like when, when we needed a break, we would look for some turnkey. So value add was the primary. It has been mostly workforce housing, some blend of uh, subsidy, and then we would do some turnkey in, in between. And then now we are looking at a class A building that we have under contract. And uh, so that is to diversify a little bit. We also bought a, a sports center last year in oh. Southern Maine. And so that was our first non-residential commercial property and so that that was uh really exciting and, and just looking to diversify a little
1: bit that is awesome because um last year 2020 you know like pretty much everything that we bought was value add right like we're trying to buy it at being all in at $0. 60 cents on a dollar $0. 65 cent a dollar and that brain damage you know cash eating machine but once you're done with it you know it makes you a lot of money but usually it's a c property right in probably probably a b uh, you know b minus c area so it's you know it's a heavy value add like these things eat cash. So what can we do to offset that? Right. Well, let's buy some B class, B plus, maybe A minus, a stabilized uh, property. Right. You, maybe you pay more for it, but you're already cash flowing from day one. So we're kind of we're balancing those out. Where these are going to produce a lot of cash for us. These are making cash for us right now. Right. Even if it doesn't appreciate, we'll still make money. But if it does appreciate, you make really good money. But you don't want to count the appreciation, right? You just want to count the cash flow and the raising the rents and whatever light value you add you can do to it. That's awesome. I'm glad that you guys went from the value add and now you're buying some nicer properties to kind of stabilize that and diversify. That is super cool. I guess I'm not the only one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that is super cool. And then that other property, where is it that you're buying that? Also in um, Springfield or somewhere else?
0: It's close by. It's um, West Hartford, Connecticut. So that's okay. 30 minutes, 45 minutes from us. In- in- oh, that,
1: that's really neat. Have you bought anything in California? My question? No, that's a
0: great question. We continue to look. We were excited about Long Beach for a while, and we might have missed the boat there. And then looking at the Inland Empire, we remain opportunistic here, but nothing has really presented itself that on the cash flow side, it is it would be a pure appreciation play. It's just something that we haven't been comfortable with.
1: Okay. Just yeah, so. I know. It's uh, we look at some couple of properties in California. I'm like, man, this is. They're very high price, but you know, even if you bought it in 2008 at the peak of the market and you held it today, you probably made money,
0: yeah. but you know
1: what? I, I like to sleep at night, you know? And
0: and you know 10 years of tailwind uh, yeah. really supporting it. And so it's like, when's that other shoe going to drop?
1: Exactly. You know, I always tell everybody you can make money in real estate 99999999 percent of the time. doesn't matter where part of the world doesn't matter. Right. If you have unlimited time and unlimited funds, You can pay double for a property today and hold it for 200 years and make money on it, right? But, you know, who has unlimited time and unlimited money, right? So, but I do have a goal of uh, buying something in California someday and saying, like, look, guys, you can buy a good deal here and make money. People do it all the time, right? Some people buy it and hold it. Some people do buy some pretty good projects. So.
0: I'd say something from what I've, I've heard from other investors, and, and I, I have not qualified this in, in the California market, but Sacramento comes up uh, pretty high on, on a good market, and the Inland Empire is getting, uh, so Riverside County is getting a lot of attention just because of the the space there, the warehousing, supply chain, a lot of that happens through there. So that, that's a job creator, and, and, and thus uh, workforce housing needs. Cool.
1: Yeah. Well. So, what would you say, Bob? This is the naked truth about real estate investing. And I just call it the naked truth about anything. What would be your biggest mistake that you made? You know, and since 2013, we, from buying the first single family till today, right? Uh, what, what would it be?
0: Mistakes, uh, there have been plentiful, and I've learned a lot through it. But I would say the biggest challenge that I had gone through and one that created a lot of sleepless nights was uh, I bought an 18 unit building. For my personal portfolio. So my wife and I bought this building and I knew it was going to be challenging. It was in a tough area, but the numbers looked good. I felt really good about turning this around, but I had no idea the extent of the challenge. The tenants were paying. So tenant wise, there was no issue. I was getting, they were on time. Everyone was paying. So if I left, left it alone, it would have been fine for me financially. But the problem was that there were after hours parties there. So from, you know, 2 a.m. to 8 a.m. Thursday through Sunday through Monday even. and so it was terrorizing the, the good tenants and then a ton of drug activity and so i evicted 14 of 18 tenants in a 6 month span wow. and and turned that property around that took a considerable amount of resources. The city was not helping me in any stretch of the imagination of the, the police. And I even tried to hire police to, you know, like when you have a construction site and the police officer would stay there or at a club police officer would be out. I tried to hire, they wouldn't even do it. No one would take the, the Oh my job. goodness! I even offered a unit to drug enforcement guys and they were appreciative, but they wouldn't even take the, wow. so, so it was a, uh, so I had to use the courts and so I, did, I evicted for possession and, and I got those units back. I turned those around and I'm, I'm proud to say even the mailman feels safe going there now. And, nice. and I think this, is, this property, in my estimation, is on the fringe of where that city is going to grow and, and gentrify. And so I think I'm, I'm just a couple more years away from really, really solid, solid property. I've got great tenants in there now, but we continue to do more and more to the, the building. And, but that was a real, real challenge. That kept me up at night. And then just to think carrying 14 units was not uh, inexpensive.
1: Yeah, I can definitely. We'll keep you up at night. Well, it lo- sounds like you were the pioneer for that, probably that, maybe that block. I'm no idea. But usually if it works out, you're the one that cashes out the most. I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, you will be able to cash out. And I know that you already, you have 50 units on your own, right? Without any partners, which is great. I believe that everybody should have some type of units, right? Great do indications and do everything like that, but just nice to have your your own portfolio. I know people with a couple hundred or a little over a hundred units that do very, very well. I'm a lot better than somebody with 1500 units or 2000 units because the only smaller percentage, ideally that, this, that you can do both. So congratulations on your 50 units.
0: Thank you. I'm halfway there. Our, our goal is 100 for family, and that's what it is at our financial freedom number.
1: Awesome. Social media, website. How do people get a hold of you, Bob? And, and we'll put some of that information on our sh- show notes. Yeah. Best is uh,
0: by phone. I'm at 310 922 5436, or I, you can always email me at Bob at CP dash propertygroup.com.
1: Perfect. All right. That'll be on the show notes. Anybody wants to reach out to Bob that has a 14 unit somewhere in a a war zone, he'd be happy to help.
0: (laughs) I I need a break from that. Uh, Well, at least give you some advice.
1: (laughs) It went backwards. Instead of losing hair, you were growing hair, right? No, it was was, uh, crazy. All right, Bob, this brings me to the best part of the show.
0: All right. Okay. So
1: this is the Naked Truth Roulette. I'm going to ask you three random questions. And it's got nothing to do with real estate. We just get a chance to know Bob a little bit in, in the personal personal side. Make sure he's a, he's a human being. Because you know, us 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 uh, entrepreneurs, investors, right? Sometimes people think we're robots, you know, but we're still we're just like everybody else. All right. so, just, so let's spend this. Let's see what we got. And I got my new board over here. Let me see what kind of music I can get. All right, okay. Let's see what we got. Okay, question number one on the roulette is what is the worst chore to do around the house. What do you think for you?
0: Taking out the garbage just seems to be such a colossal pain, but that, that, that's mine.
1: Uh, taking out the garbage, that's great. I have an 11-year-old boy. He's my youngest. And I was, I was counting the other, the other day, and I'm like, man, if he leaves by the time he's 18, I have at least seven more years of not throwing the garbage out. Seven <laughs> more years. So I'm going to milk those seven years as long as I can. Well,
0: that's great. I got a um, 10-year-old. I'm going to put him on it.
1: Oh, I just tell them, hey, buddy, are you strong? Or, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a girl or I'm like, are you you feeling pretty strong? Yes. Take this trash out of the trash can. Let me see. And they do it. And they're like, oh, perfect. You're done. You got a, you know, reverse (laughs) psychology there. All right. Here's my favorite question of the roulette. If you could take any celebrity on a date, dead or alive, who would it be?
0: Oh, my. Uh, Don't tell Ryan Reynolds, but it would be Blake Lively.
1: Yeah. Okay. I would probably take Ryan Reynolds, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I like to go on a date with Ryan Reynolds. So he's a pretty funny guy.
0: Uh, yeah. But anyways, that's, uh,
1: yeah, that's all right. Okay. So there you go. Ryan's Reynolds' wife. Take on a date. <laughs> all right. Let's go. Question number three. All right. Let's see. And as you notice, this is my favorite question because I put it like five times in this roulette. So let's see if it shows up again, or we'll get to the next question. Nope. And we'll go to the very next one, question, which was let's see if we get there. Okay, let's let's stop it right here. I actually put that like four or five times in the roulette because I wanted to hit it. <laughs> and it's, you has got a really high chance of hitting that. And sometimes you hit it two or three times. All right. Let's see what we got. Oh, I still got it three times in a row. No, but actually the question I'm going to ask you was, I was going to get to is what is your favorite cartoon as a kid? Oh,
0: that's
1: uh, Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny. Yeah. you can never go wrong with Bugs Bunny. I was uh, thinking the other day and I was walking, uh, actually last week, and my wife dragged me out to target to buy some uh, gifts for my, uh, for my nieces and nephews. And uh, I was looking, walking, and I saw He-Man. And I'm like, He-Man? Like, oh my, it had been years since I thought about He-Man, right? But like, that was a pretty cool cartoon back in the day. And I guess it's coming back, or I have no idea, because I saw some, some He-Man toys at Target. So that was pretty neat. But Bugs Bunny, you can never go wrong with Bugs Bunny. So I was, uh, it was going to be a classic. So, Bob, thank you so much. You have survived the Naked Truth
0: roulette. That was fun.
1: Perfect. Any uh, last words would like to tell the audience?
0: I'll share my my mantra for this year is uh, is let's not create our own problems. That's why I tell the property management company, and I also try to tell myself that is let's not create our own problems with our tenants. Let's make sure that we're attentive to them, so issues don't get bigger. Let's make us uh, take care of small issues so they don't they don't become bigger. So I think that's going to carry on into twenty twenty two. Let's not create our own problems.
1: Don't let's not create our own problems. I love it. Thank you so much, Bob. I appreciate you being on the show. Everybody go ahead and check out all the show notes. If you want to reach out to Bob, go ahead and reach out to him. Everything will be on the show notes. Thank you again, Bob. Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year. And I am Javier, your host. Don't lose your shirt. I got a great gift for you guys. It is my underwriting calculator. That's what I use to underwrite multifamily for heavy value add. You're going to get a, at a great discount because it takes a lot of work. And I have a calculator that'll help you underwrite something that's more stable, a prettier property with videos. Not just multifamily, but I also have a calculator for you for mobile home parks, help you underwrite a value add or a property that's stable. I also have a calculator for you for self-storage. It'll help you evaluate a self-storage value add or self-storage that is already stable. And it has videos. We underwrite 50, 60 properties every single week. So my acquisitions team is pretty good at it. I want to give that to you for free for following me on the podcast for being a loyal listener. I want to give that back to you. It's taking a lot of time and energy to put these together. So in that link, you'll see in the show notes, we'll give that away for free. It's actually a deal submission form. You can skip all that and go to the bottom and you'll see the calculators. But if you want to submit a deal to us so we can help you underwrite it, maybe we partner, feel free to use it. Make sure you analyze properly so you don't lose
0: your shirt. This has
1: been The Naked Truth. Our mission is to give it to you raw. If you got value from this episode, you're invited to leave an honest, written review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.